Hey, everybody. Fantastic episode of the morning show today. We talk about some of the action that we're seeing in crypto and NFTs, including FriendTech. We talk about the hack of Vitalik Buterin's Twitter account. Talk about Mochaverse having a $20 million raise, the current situation with the Board Ape Yacht Club floor price. And Nick has a rant about a particular NFT collection that has released a new game. Uh, Nick goes off. So it's a it's a juicy episode. Uh, there is a free NFT if you go to the nifty.com slash claim and you put in the password fire. 25 F I R E 25, then you can claim today's free NFT. Hope you enjoy the show. Good morning, ladies and gentlemen. Happy Monday. Uh, Signal, you you asked what the name of that remix was. That's just the original song by Kid Cudi, Day and Night. Oh, okay. It sounds different on my end. Uh, I haven't heard it in so long. I thought that was the remix. Uh, it's awesome. Love it. Love it. Great way to start Monday. Big song uh, 13 years ago or so. You know, speaking of being out, you know, day and night, we had a guy. Go to House of Yes this weekend. How was that, amigo? Yeah, that's private information, dude. <laughs> I'm a, I, I'm not a party goer, man. I'm just a, you know, I'm pretty, I shoot it straight. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm just uh, kind of a boring type of person. Like to hang out at home. Um, what is House of Yes? Uh, it's a club, which I would say, well, this particular party was, inspired by burning man was the uh what they were saying um you had to dress up like you had gone to burning man i don't have any burning man clothes i used to when i lived in san francisco uh but in the process of moving i i got everything onto one clothing rack and that was the, and then i was like if it doesn't fit we're uh, it's not coming um but uh yeah i don't know there's basically oftentimes nudity there. That's one of the <laughs> things that it's known for, I would say. There's like dancers in cages and other things like that. I, I was anticipating something extreme. It, it, it wasn't really that that crazy, um, but it was a cool place. I actually enjoyed it. Um, I stayed out way longer than I anticipated. Um, but yeah, it was fun. I had not gone to a, any form of club I don't know the last time that I'd gone to a club, like literally like back in 1967 is probably <laughs> when I last went to a nightclub. And uh, let me tell you, things were completely different there. Well, we'll yeah. signal this isn't a nightclub like uh, the box and those play, although it does sound like there are some similarities, but um, this is more of like a Brooklyn club where it's a large open warehouse style space. It is also funny that uh, before Nick went, everyone's expectations of this place, the, the place's reputation, I think, is bigger than its reality because I had another friend that had just moved to New York and he's like, is it like you know, like, is it cool to go there? Like, are you, is it, I'm like, yeah, dude, it's just like a venue. It's not like some underground operation. It's an above board venue. You just go and it's, it's a little bit different probably than other places you've been to. But I, I'd say the interior design reminded, reminded me there was this uh, place I used to go in DC called house of secrets. Mm. And this was, this was fully underground uh, in the sense that like it was underage people drinking because when I went there, I was not 21. I think, I feel like I may have been 20 or something like that. And I just remember it, uh, you would go in, the doorman would be like, yo, is he cool, man? You vouch for this guy, like wh whatever it is. And, and, uh, is he cool? Do you vouch yeah, for him? Yeah, yeah, man. Or whatever it is. And you'd go into this place. And they'd have, it was a, a mansion in Northeast DC, 
Uh, Northeast DC in general is typically, well, it used to be even more sketchy. It's gotten way better, but the, um, I remember going into this place and the interior design was just weird. Like one room had like parrot cages and with like fake birds inside of them and like other stuff that was there. There was a poker room. There was a movie room with like, which also had like multiple video game stations and like other, like they had really put in a lot of effort to make this uh, an eclectic place. Um, and, and the vibe was awesome. And I think that, House of Yes felt very similar in above board version of what that house was uh, because it was just interesting interior design choices. Uh, there's a lot of variety from one place to the other. There's two dance floors and each each one had a di completely different vibe associated with it. Um, it. It was fun. I I enjoyed it. I would definitely go again. Actually, I guess there were three dance floors, but two of them were basically together. But um, yeah, I would definitely go do that again. Uh, it, it was a fun place, fun spot. Well, there you go. Nifty Nick having a weekend at House of Yes. Much different speed here. I had a, uh, a sort of technique-based revelation. Uh, so I've gone on record on this show and other shows saying that I'm not a huge fan of American football anymore because of like the broadcasts and like the kind of old white guy feel where it's like, we saw this in week four and he's been doing it all year. And it's like, what a sensational guy. Like, I just can't do it. It's, and then it's like commercial and it's like, you know, uh, like some kind of ointment because you're an old man and you you need the ointment. Like, I just can't do that broadcast. But I'm, I'm hanging with my friend in Hoboken. And he's a college football guy. And I'm, I'm definitely not a college football person. But there was a broadcast, this guy, Pat McAfee, which I know Clemente is a fan of because I see it I, on our, our YouTube, like the NFT Morning Show YouTube. If I go into that account, it'll populate with Pat McAfee stuff. I just, I didn't know anything about this guy. I know that he's big in sports. That's all I know. Well, he, he runs a broadcast that competes with the normal broadcast for uh, for college sports. So instead of getting the like, oh, man, you know, the Pac-10 and the blah, 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 like instead of getting that whole broadcast, he's standing there on the sideline. He's wearing a black tank top, like a black wife beater. This is his attire for the broadcast, Nick. He's standing there with a mic and he's got a squad. One of the guys in his squad has a mullet. So he's just got like this guy in his squad with a mullet. And it's just like the most casual broadcast, but actually really good and actually like enjoyable to watch. Like, I mean, this is the attire for the actual broadcast, Nick. At one point, oh, go ahead, Nick. Go, sorry, go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, at one point, the guy with the mullet, a fan throws a beer at him. And it nails him in the shoulder. And then they're like, they're, they're invest, they're, you know, uh, taking a look at, like really just taking a look at the spill on the shoulder. And another guy in the squad is just laughing his ass off on the, you know what I mean? Because it's just like pretty damn funny. Matt McConaughey's there. And instead of the way that they would do it, if it was like the professional broadcast where they're like interviewing him and, and you know, he's like McConaughey standing there with the mic trying to be professional. McConaughey's clearly knocked down a little bit too much whiskey and he's standing standing there with them with the mic and he's like bent over screaming into the mic while they're doing it. I was like, I can get behind this broadcast. This works for me. You know, he's got an ESPN show too. And on the show, the opening scene is like a, a card and it says, this show is not intended for children. And like right at the very end of the show, he just lets out uh, like just cusses like on Disney and ESPN type stuff. 
And after they like talked about it, there was a couple like news articles that dropped. They were like, yeah, he may not get renewed for another season of this show. So, so Barstool Sports had a format like this. He was on Barstool. And it, it, and it got basically got blocked because – so I watched the interview. I went and looked into uh, – who was the guy that interviewed Obama's uh, – Carlson? Uh, Car- Tucker Carlson. So I go and look at his account that, uh, this weekend because I'm like, what were the other interviews that he did? And one of them was with um, El Presidente. Oh, uh, really? What, so yeah, and it's really good. Mm. And so, uh, because um, what what's all pre- what's his name? Da- Portnoy, da- David Portnoy. Um, so he goes in and he he basically like breaks down a lot of the uh, legal issues, a lot of the issues that led to um, the breakup of Penn Gaming and Barstool, and how like the situation happened. And uh, he he basically talks about how. They used to have this show, which was awesome, which they, well, I, I, apparently it was awesome. I, it looks very reminiscent of the way that this uh, show was operating, where they would just sit outside the game and talk about the whole thing while it was going on inside, uh, and they tailgate, whatever. Like, it, it was, it was a, they were participating in the party, but also, like, kind of hosting the show, which that is the vibe of how that uh, sort of setup feels like. And uh, apparently they couldn't do it because uh, gambling regulators – which uh, Dave Dave Portnoy got like pissed off about eventually. It was a conflict of creating content. So they like the gambling people would be like, Dave, you need to promise us that you won't date nineteen year olds. You need to <laughs> pro-, and it, and he was like, Well, I don't date nineteen year olds, but I'm not making that promise because it's legal. But like, uh, like he's basically talking about all of these like situations that he had to deal with is a result of them getting gambling license. And one of those things was that show had to be canceled where they were going to uh, the college uh, campuses, yeah, uh, events. Um, by the way, college football is probably better than NFL football just in the sense that it's like so wild in terms of the outcomes. I think college sports are, are generally uh, pretty entertaining. I mean, that's why March Madness uh, is exciting is because it's just like you have no idea what's going to happen. And like, there's constantly like deep, you know, deep touchdowns and other things that are just like way on the NFL side, just far outside the normal distribution curve of like probabilities here of something going down. But yeah, I, I, anyways, it feels very much like that show from Dave Pornoy and, and Barstool. And so it's unsurprising that that's where he, uh, came from. Um, and I think honestly, this is just the way that content is going as a whole uh, is that you have that more personal. It's not like Netflix production is disappearing. It's relatability. It's like the ability to actually feel like you're having a conversation with the person. And not every conversation is like, well, in this episode, I am so excited for this. It's like, dude, that pass was fucking electric. That thing was a Hail Mary down the sidelines. That dude just died. It's like, but, oh, yeah, that was sick. Well, when you're making it like sound, when you're also just having fun, like you don't give a shit, a little bit of irreverence, I think is like important, obviously something that we respect. But I think that there's also uh, this weekend or yesterday I watched the um, U.S. Open final and it's really good. It, it was it was a really good uh, match. Unfortunately, I, I wish it would. Um, Medvedev had gotten at least one set would have been nice. Uh, like, cause I feel like the game vibe would have been totally different. 
um, had this uh, second set, had he won, and he lost in a tie break, basically. And then it just was downhill from there. Um, but the reason I bring it up is their form of announcing is basically dead silence for large portions of time. And instead, that silence is building anticipation of what's about to happen. And like you're feeling the tension associated with it. You're also like part of it is also that people there are getting drunk and yelling shit out. And the umpire needs to be like, quiet, like, like, or, or just please is what, what they say. You're supposed to know, uh, shut, shut up. But I, I think that form of announcing is also really interesting. It's just dead silent for like extended periods of time while you're just like waiting for like what's going to happen next. That's like sports specific. Um, and that's a tennis thing. It, it is interesting. The different broadcasts for different sports without question. Bunny, you have your hand raised. What's going on? Nick, did you know that if you, so if you're at a tennis match, you can't go to the bathroom until the changeover. So there was a guy at the U S open, um, and he, and he tried to run to the bathroom and like someone comes over the loudspeaker and they made him sit down, dude. He has to wait until it's done. It's crazy. When you said the changeover, you're saying after the game is complete, like or or like yeah. by like one to, game one three five or you got to wait until the game's complete. Wow. Okay. Well, it's not just game though. It sounds like because it, it there's you you like I'm saying. Okay, I'm getting into nuance, but regardless, that's pretty ridiculous. Yeah, well, look, it, it was a fascinating experience for me from a broadcasting perspective. Real quick, uh, Clemente served up a little bit of uh, quasi-breaking news from uh, the Web2 world, if you will. Grocery delivery app Instacart is aiming for a $7.7 billion valuation in its pursuit of an IPO. This is three years after they first started the path towards an IPO with Goldman Sachs. This valuation is down from the whopping $39 billion valuation they had in their latest funding round in 2021. Uh, I also know someone that works at a pre-IPO startup called Sneak, which now the boys at the All In podcast are talking about. It's a cybersecurity company. Um, and it's been interesting to hear their experience because it seems like the IPO market was basically non-existent there during the, uh, the, the bear market that we were in in 2022. And it seems to be creeping back. What do you think on the, uh, about this, Nick, this IPO market, you know, trying to come back? And what do you think about Instacart? I don't really think about Instacart all that much. Uh, I don't use it. Amazon has uh, Whole Foods delivery. That was the core portion of the market that Instacart was catering to for at least when I was in San Francisco. You could get Whole Foods delivery, but they would price the items differently. Yeah. And and it was a complete scam at that moment in time. I have not touched it since. I mean, the fact that delivery startups are, are working, this is like the 90s. Uh, internet startups finally materialized and and succeeded. Um, there's a number of others that exist, like Postmates yep. uh, is one that I think is comparable. But they also had to like focus on food delivery was the only area that ended up working. Food delivery is such a, a, such a weird portion of the market that you're willing to pay so much more for convenience. Um, but if I'm getting groceries, I'm, I'm using a Whole Foods Amazon app because at least they're not increasing it. That said, one of the things, if you're living in New York, the best deal is just walking downstairs to Trader Joe's because apparently Trader Joe's has the same price across the entire U.S. Correct. And, and so like you can actually get fruits and vegetables at a reasonable cost. 
and you go out of there, you can actually, you know, eat healthy basically uh, as a result of going to Trader Joe's, um, for, primarily for the fruits and vegetables. That that aspect of things, and then I guess. I don't know about the quality of their meat. I'm like on the fence about it. It's like not that great. But, well, the, um, but people are buying the frozen meals there. That That's what I learned uh, during during yeah. 2020 is like, because in New York, there were lines around the block to go to the grocery store, right? So I'd, I'd see like a line around the block, but then the farmer's market didn't have a line. And I was like, you guys know, like you can go buy food over there. But Clemente was telling me that now he discovered Trader Joe's. Now that Clemente is a New Yorker and experiencing New York pricing, you discovered Trader Joe's, right, Clemente? Yeah, I went phenomenal pricing. Everything's great on that department. The the frozen food I realize is like super bad for you though. Oh, so of I'm course. Like trying to scale back. It's <laughs> like disgusting. I'm looking at the nutrition. All right. <laughs> also, side note, yesterday we all know how Pio's a it goes crazy about his food quality and everything. Yesterday or on Friday, I was we were co-working together and I whipped out a cliff bar as a snack. I'm like, I gotta get my protein in. Peel looks at me, goes, You're eating that, dude? That is junk food. <laughs> I gotta go to the bathroom. I'll be back. But Pio's like the 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 ultimate like judger of like the food that you're consuming. And it's like, uh, how about you take a fucking hike, dude? Like, what are you talking about? I'm a, I'm gonna eat what I eat, uh, but I will say at least, um, you know, he does feel a little bit more, uh, new, like he consumes more nutritious content than uh, that. It, he is right about some of it, but his way of perceiving it, he 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 would not persuade anybody to take any sort of action, basically. Based no, on how he treats way people. That he says it. No, it's not no. Friendly. I would. He's like, I would drink more just to annoy him. Did <laughs> he'd be like, "Yeah, what the hell are you eating over there, you fucking fat slob?" It's like, dude, <laughs> Jesus Christ, man! Like, just enjoying one ice cream sandwich. Like, let me live. My bad. Like, we all die anyway. Woo! It was funny because when we were in. Uh, oh, sorry. Did you want to say something? No, I was just saying. I like. I've just discovered in the equivalent of Instacart where I am, and I mean. Like we have a car, but I don't like to use the car. So I like to walk everywhere to go get my, you know, groceries and stuff. But the one thing which is really annoying is um, stuff like laundry detergent, washing up tablets, water. You can't buy that in bulk and then walk home because otherwise you're basically going to the gym. Like six bottles of water here, six bottles of water here. Like you're trying to like get home. You just look like an idiot. But this Instacart apps, I, I mean, literally I made the order and it was at my house in 10 minutes. I just, I, I was just like... Uh, I'm I'm very slow to this, or the city that I the city that I'm in didn't have it before, and it's just, it's just arrived, and it's it's just game changing. I will never do it for food or for meat. Uh, I will always go to the shops and walk down and pick my own veggies and fruit. But for like stuff that you don't want to carry back to the house, I'm like I am never ever driving anywhere to get my laundry detergent again. I'm not going to go to Costco. I'm just going to order it on the app and it comes to the house. So I'm with you guys. You guys are ahead. This Nick, this week, this week, the U.S. is ahead. <laughs> Instacart, okay? Last streak, you were behind. This week, you're ahead. Uh, well, but yeah, P.O., you're very judgmental. <laughs> we, we, we del- the other thing that you deal with with, uh, with with those delivery apps, though, which is a downside associated with it, it like – the the person shot the per the shopper who's getting the food they don't give a shit about which tomato they get you which watermelon they get you whatever it is oftentimes like you also need to go into Amazon and like select do not replace on every single item because they'll be like you ordered asparagus and they're like 
they replaced it with green onion. And you're like, what the hell are you doing? Like, these, are just, these are completely incomparable things. What the hell are you? It's like, well, it was both green. Right? Like that, that's like how the shopper is operating. They just do not give a shit. That said, the other thing you should do is if you, when you order it on Amazon, you should just go on and basically say, I didn't get this item. And and they'll just refund you. So you can do that with like chicken, salmon, whatever. You just rip them off. <laughs> you, basically, you can if you want. Because I was always surprised how fast, like legitimately, I would report it. And they'd be like, uh, just Here's the money. refunded. To, yeah, exactly. And I was like, so is everybody doing this, but just actually saying that they didn't get their chicken? Like how? Like how I didn't get that ribeye steak, like, buddy. Sorry. <laughs> I, I don't know what to there, tell you. <laughs> there was, I got Three filet mignons, but uh, zero of them showed up. <laughs> so I don't know what the hell is going on here. Well, well, look, ladies and gentlemen, today we're going to discuss Frentex resurgence. We're going to discuss Mocha versus $20 million raise and the FTX liquidation fears, among other things. We're going to dive into this weather report signal. Please take it away. Ba 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 ba. <laughs> Sorry, a bit slow on the button today. All guys. good. Uh, it is the weather report. It is Monday, September the 11th. Market volume is at 7.3 uh, million. Blur at four. Open sea down in the 1.8. Onto the market oh leaders. Well, while most of the collections have bled over the weekend, the large caps luckily have held their floors pretty well. Azuki, the biggest loser, now down 8% in the last seven days. Uh, following a, a good peak at 0.6 ETH with Pudgy Penguin and Opep and collabs. Unfortunately, Apepens are also down 30% in the last 30 days. And then another downer is Sproto Gremlins. They're also down 20% in the last seven days, holding a 0.6 ETH floor. Not so great for the September start. Over the past 24 hours, well, it's Frentech. Everyone's been talking about on the timeline. They're continuing to see resurgence in activity, recording over 12 million in trading volume on Saturday. Meanwhile, total NFT volume on the same day was only 9.1 million. So Frentech smashing total NFT volume. On to uh, security and Vitalik Buterin's Twitter was hacked and posted a fake consensus wallet drainer mint. One user ended up losing a hoodie and a pig's tail crypto punk and nearly lost three zombie punks as well. Luckily, the owner caught onto the drain and only approved the first two transactions. On to Matchy Big Brother. He was a guest on the show a couple of week, weeks ago. Um, he has been on a board ape shopping spree and now owns 130 apes that he's purchased through Blur Bid Farming. His collection is now valued at over $5 million, while the ape floor is currently at 27 ETH. And then lastly, Animoca Brands announced that they have raised $20 million for their Mochaverse NFT collection and will be used to level up product development, uh, Web3 adoption, and their Web3 culture within the entertainment ecosystem. Mochaverse is the winner of the week and that is up 66% to a 0.88 ETH floor. That is all for the weather report news. Back to you in the studio. Fantastic weather report as usual signal. Some updates from the Nifty Daily Digest. Uh, that's available at the nifty.com. You need to have an account there to claim the free NFTs that are posted here almost daily. Uh, also a reminder, the Daily Digest is posted right here on Twitter, right here on X every morning, and it's actually pinned up top on the Twitter Spaces show. It's emailed to anyone that subscribes at thenifty.com. couple of stories here. Nouns DAO's fork went live, which allows existing nouns holders to return their nouns in exchange for 35 and a half Ethereum each. Uh, next story, Deadfellas, uh, they 
their RIP TCG vaults, and that's going to be a sale for their trading card game that's in early development stages, has moved to a public sale with 3,900 sold out of 25,000. Uh, 25, so less than 20% sold so far. What's the price on these, Clemente? So Too much. No, it was a, I think it was 20 to 30 bucks for existing dead fellas or dead friends holders. Now the public sale is live and you can buy them for a hundred bucks if you don't own anything. But the problem is they're already all listed below that price on OpenSea. Tough one. Well, we'll have to see how that plays out. Uh, we got four. <laughs> Well, a couple more stories, ladies and gentlemen. For Farouk Fatih Ozer, the founder of a Turkish crypto exchange that abruptly shut down and left customers without access to over two billion dollars in, in assets. Look, they'll, this story is crazy. They'll throw the book at you over in Turkey, ladies and gentlemen. They they booked this guy for eleven thousand one hundred ninety six years in jail. I don't care if you're Brian Johnson. That's going to keep you behind bars for the rest of your life. Only Brian Johnson can compete with this one. Twelve k years. Uh, I like it. Um, and I know Easy made a video on this one. Last story: six NFTs will be featured on Williams Williams Racing's F1 cars during the United States Grand Prix in October, courtesy of Kraken NFT. Uh, can't wait for everyone to hate that car more than the other car. No, I'm just kidding. Nick, go ahead. Did, did you talk to this team here, Clemente, and say, "Hey, we're going to feature you in the newsletter today"? You always put this sponsored bullshit in the newsletter, and I'm tired of these brands just getting in here for free. To be fair, Nick, it's hard okay. to tell what you're going to react to as, you know, that should have been. I just, figured, <laughs> I just figured I'd add that. Um, this uh, dead fellow situation, yoinks. What, why? So it was $20 for, mint, for, for uh, holders, and it jumps to $100 for public? That's, that's a hard pill to swallow. And the other thing is like, okay, so I have a couple things because I used to be super plugged into the Dead Fellows ecosystem. The first thing is, A, why would you make these tradable right away? Because at what's everyone going to do? They're going to try to flip this. If it's 5x the mint price uh, for public sale, like it, it's kind of a no-brainer. Uh, and obviously the market's reacting to it accordingly. Also, this game's not going – it's in early development. The game won't actually be live. It's alpha version. comes out in 2024. It's beta comes out in 2025 so you're essentially buying something that you're not really going to get to use for at least four or five months that's a tough one uh we'll have to see how it plays out well i don't know uh first story that we're nick, go ahead nick. i mean this this morning's report i feel like is that we're it's like we need to just acknowledge the depression that exists right now we went from despair to uh, suicidal is where uh, this this uh, crypto Twitter got. I saw one this morning. The guy was just like, this is the most toxic fucking space. I sold all my crypto and I'm done. I, like I saw that tweet. This Wasn't morning. that a meme, though? Oh, was it? I think. Well, I think it's like a, a copy pasta, as we call it in this space. Oh, is it? Well, I, it felt pretty real, and the guy like did a follow-on tweet about it. I mean, it, it felt, maybe, maybe I'm tripping. I might be wrong. It felt legitimate, and then and then you had Farouk getting into the beef this uh, this weekend, and then today being like, "I'm sorry that I wasn't professional." Sometimes I don't realize the the people that work on my team. 
Farouk should come join our company because you'd be used to it by now. I just don't give a shit what what what, what I post. He he actually is like, what what were his did his employees message him and they were like, yo man, you said the word dick, <laughs> dude, and you, I don't appreciate that. Yo man, I don't appreciate how you called out a actual piece of trash who's like just a, a complete troll. And literally, like shit on your shoe, like type of like uh, person. Worse than I would say, the guy just sucks. <laughs> and and he's now apologizing for for like saying that he should just own it. Polly's garbage, dude. Like and the and the whole that whole crew is just like uh, it, the the fact that they still exist is actually part of the problem because like they they brought the negativity to the space. But that was okay when the space was 90% just like irrationally like positive. You needed somebody like that to be in the space to like kind of keep people a little bit like uh, straight. Now it's just like not even the scammers are making money. Okay. So like if the scammers can't make money in this market unless you're straight up robbing people, that's the only option. But dude, they brought, they, they hacked Vitalik and made a couple hundred grand. That that's like that's bare, over half a million. That's that's still bear market territory. If, if Vitalik tweeting something, and how did Vitalik get hacked? That's I don't understand. SMS two FA with a SIM swap is what always happens. Like Damn. every single time, no auth code, nothing. The craziest part about that scam too is the first ever CryptoPunk that was minted was in that scam. It was yeah. a hoodie punk. It was the first ever claimed wow. CryptoPunk, and it was involved. And dude, that guy had three zombies too, and he caught on after the second punk got taken. Dude, the before fact he lost that the zombies. Vitalik doesn't have proper security procedures in place to prevent this is just indicative of the fact that I'm gonna be honest here. Dude, these scammers could make so much crypto more. look pretty whack. Like, like <laughs> when Vitalik's getting hacked, you got people who like know what they're talking about. The dude's a genius. Like when you read his articles, you're just like, damn, this guy is fucking brilliant. But even he cannot be blocked from being involved one way on one side or the other. But, but it's a Twitter sort of crypto scam. Yeah, it's a Twitter scam. It's not like Ethereum, you know, had some sort of flaw, right? It's that's it, where the hackers fumbled, though. You open up a 200x long, 1,000x long, or short. I mean, 1,000x short, and you tweet, "I'm leaving Ethereum. I don't see a future here." Oh, dive into Rollbit, wow, a couple M's, and just get out. Like that's that it. Was, it would have been. No effort, no stealing. It takes seven words, and you could have printed significantly more with way less of trying to liquidate the NFTs. Could have all been so easy. We, we call that Ocean's Easy. That, yeah. that, that is Ocean's yeah. Eleven. That's Ocean's Eleven. Not like I, I, it's funny that like everyone's crit criticizing the scam for being too simple. But I kind of <laughs> get it. it. It's like if, if like if you manage to get his account on so on Easy's page, you pull that the off, and it's just like done. Houdini. It's it, it, that stock market, like, beep. I mean, I bet you could have. Uh, well, actually, I'm gonna go that that may be too inappropriate for my own uh, liking, here, but the thought that I was having. Um, <laughs> but uh, I'll, I'll ignore that one. We already had dick conversation last on uh Friday, and that that was uh, that was enough entertainment uh, for the uh, at least you know, a couple of days associated with that. The thing I was gonna, the other thing is. Yeah, there were like I saw that was actually a copy pasta this weekend was basically like the thousand X short was uh like there were a bunch of people tweeting about that. Um dude it, 
this market is as bearish as possible. It this is actually getting to the level that I was saying yeah. we should reasonably like a year ago at. you were and saying that it it takes I time. Like, I was like, you want people to say, does this make sense at all? And I'm feeling some of that right now it, as it applies to NFTs, which is like what the question I ask myself right now. The bear the bear take that I have is. Is this like the ICOs of yesteryear, basically? Like, is it is were NFTs like ICOs? There were ICOs that came back during the last bull run, but not in the same way. Your buddy was not calling you, asking you about token X, Y, Z. They were instead calling and asking about, you know, at which the NFT, you know, whatever the NFT was, is dead fellas the thing that I need to go buy, and uh, that. That was the type of question that was going on. And the reality is, is like ICOs, they never really materially came back. You have shit coins that do exist, which is kind of like an IC, uh, ICO. It, yeah. and, and so I think from that standpoint, that does exist. I don't think that's going to go away. But uh, well, unless uh, the, the US requires KYC to set up a wallet, then that would uh, uh, probably eliminate a lot of those things. Um, although it would just happen internationally. But th that's like the most bearish perspective you can basically have on NFTs is that these were shit coins uh, uh, all along and uh, the ICO equivalents and none of those businesses are going to be around. The only things you can hold on to pretty much are the top ones. And CryptoPunks have been holding up pretty solid through this bear market. Um, apes, actually, I would argue, have surprisingly held up uh, a fair amount, all thanks to Machi, who owns like an increasing quantity of them. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know. Like the the, it feels as bearish as possible. OpenSea with one million in sales for for the day, or a little over one million. We're we're at like uh, we went from I was like, well, this market's at least a billion dollars a year. Now it's down to three hundred million. That's like a, that's like a drop. Soon enough, we're going to be making more money from sponsorship sales <laughs> than there is sales in the market. And let me just tell you, that's not a place that you want to be. Like in general, usually if you're selling advertising, you want to be doing advertising in a market where they're at least making some money. But nobody can make money in this space. That that's the current reality. Well, there's a few things. So, uh, I, and I think this is actually a really great thing to talk about. We're, we're going to talk about friend tech and some of these other stories right after. But I think it's worth discussing this. So, there's a few different things, right? There's discussion about price. That that's absolutely something that you can discuss. And then there's a, a discussion about substance. Keep in mind that Ethereum. It's it's low in the previous cycle, if I recall correctly, and you know if I'm incorrect about this, please correct me. But I, I, if I recall, the low for Ethereum's price was eighty dollars at the bottom of the last yeah. cycle. Yeah, and then even right before during the COVID bottom was like two fifty or something like that, or one eighty. I mean, it was it was pretty low, it was I, somewhere in the couple hundred dollar range. I was buying Ethereum for one hundred and seventy dollars in March, April, twenty twenty. And so that's, that's, I'd say in the well, throes of the, like a genius. I mean, not really didn't know what I was doing. Um, but anyway, uh, that was when I was first starting to accumulate. So, so check it out. So when you talk about, you mentioned like friends calling you, 
And that's how mainstream NFTs got is that literally, and I've been talking to some YouTube consultants, right? So I've spoken to three or four YouTube consultants, just about our YouTube channel, always trying to get better, always trying to like, you know, figure out is there stuff that we can do to get better? I'm just always trying to improve, you know, like I just want people <laughs> to recognize that, you know, I'm out in the gym, I'm working out, I'm eating healthy food, but that's not relevant to what we're discussing right now. But I just want you all to know that I'm always on my peak performance game. Okay. Well, thank okay? you. Th thank you for the impression of me. That. So it's interesting to talk to the YouTube consultants because they're like, they'll show me a chart about the uh, search terms for NFT over the past year. And like one guy put a loom video together and he's like, it's down. And I'm like, no shit. I know it's down, amigo. And he's just like, so you have to think about if this is something that you want to keep making content on. It's down. And I'm like, I know, dude. I'm aware that not as many people are searching for NFT search terms now than they were a year and a half ago, obviously, right? To, Go ahead, Nick. To be fair, those advisors are people that uh, train people on how to make passive income from YouTube. So I don't know that like that's really the best consultants. They're basically trying to sell info products. Like, which is completely unrelated to what we're doing. And so they're basically saying, go build audience, turn it into a conversion funnel is their, is their entire focus. Some of them are like that. Another guy did help Mr. Beast on one of his big videos. And so I'm like talking to that guy, right? And, um, and I, I, I also think that guy gets it more. The other thing is that there, there are people that I've talked to in the YouTube consulting space that have like kind of a fundamental understanding of NFTs. You don't need NFTs to be quote unquote mainstream to the point that they were where literally everybody knew, like everyone on the planet heard about NFTs, which is a pretty insane place to be. And they don't actually have to get back to that point because it's not like people are talking to you about Magic the Gathering cards. It's not like people are talking to you about Pokemon cards every day. Obviously, people know what Pokemon cards are, um, but you don't actually have to get to that point. The other thing is that the majority of people that were buying NFTs were buying them with the hope of selling them to someone else for more money within a certain amount of time, preferably an extremely short amount of time. And that's just not how it's working right now. If that's how it's working, I would just go buy a bunch of NFTs. I'd wait five days and I'd sell them for more money than I paid them for. I paid for them and I make money. I would pay for my food that I, that I eat every day with the profits of that trade. And you can't do that right now. So you're seeing liquidity dry up, dry up, dry up. But as you find people actually making things that have a reason to exist and incorporating the NFT technology into those, that's how gradually over time you'll see it quote unquote come back. That doesn't mean a random ass NFT's price is going to come back to the price that you bought it for. That's not what I'm talking about. And the the whole space is very, 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 very focused on price. They, the space is obsessed with price. I've been talking to a bunch of different people from different walks of life in the space. And the one common thing everybody brings up is price, price, price. Is it going to come back? And it's like, I think you're just thinking about it the wrong way. Nick, go ahead. Mine's completely unrelated. I'm okay. actually kind of aghast at what's gone down with dead fellas here. Oh I'm, I, th th I'm, I'm sitting here. No, I'm actually, this is a legitimate situation. I am aghast at what, at what took place here. I, I'm looking at their mint page. This mint page looks like it was made in, 20, in the 2021 bull run. So that's like the starting point. There's no landing page. There's nothing associated with this. There's no the, like articulation of what it is. There was no promotion leading up to it. We heard about it last week for the first time. What was going through this team's mind is the thing that I'm trying to figure out. This is so absolutely ludicrous. They're on a completely different level where they actually think 
So they were just going to tweet out like it was 2021. We're doing a drop. Get fucking pumped. Give us a million dollars for a trading card thing that you're going to get to play in 2025. What the <laughs> fuck was going through their mind? Okay. I'm like so shocked. I'm looking at this collection. I cannot believe the how irrational that team has to be. Like they're they're like floating off on some level where I, I just don't understand where they're sitting. Like they thought that, that like people are going to be like, oh, trading card game. Let's give these guys $1.5 million and let's charge 5X price. They're like fucked. This is the thing that's so crazy. How are they going to fund this project? What are they going to do now? What Are they going to go to the, the their audience and say, hey, guys, sorry, we didn't raise enough money. Are they going to refund people? Like, what are they going to do? I, I'm, like, completely shocked by, like, what the hell went down here. I, I, sorry for this tangent. No, no, no apologies. I'm, I'm, I'm just sitting here looking at this being, like, they're delusional. Like, they're, they're completely delusional about what this market has going on. That they would throw this insulting page up the way that it's like set up. I, I I just feel like the thing is like it's kind of ridiculous that that this was just going to like occur. And I, I'm trying to figure out who in this space has any sort of rap. What was what's crazy about it is I think they're actually phenomenal at brand partnerships over at uh, Deadfellas. They've been able to close a bunch of different deals. Uh, Betty's always, uh, partnered with all these different events. It seems like she's at all these different events. She's always been at all of them basically. And, uh, I, and they're, they're good at building relations, but this to me seems so ridiculously like that. That's the one thing that I'm like, damn that. Why wouldn't they like this, in this market? You got to lean into that sort of area where you got, you're looking at brand partnerships, uh, uh, slash like deals with other people that are going to help offset the cost because there's no way that the market can sustain this sort of thing. But I'm, I'm just trying to figure out what, what went on with this particular drop. I don't know why I'm so triggered. One of the things that also stands out to me is you can't find the collection on OpenSea. It's not verified. Uh, it, it is RIP RIP TCG vaults. Uh, their, their listing is not verified. It, they don't have a, the same account. It doesn't show who created this project. There's just a lot of ingredients here that feel completely off associate. Like, look, it shows, it doesn't, it doesn't say on that collection who created it. So like there, there's a lot of things about this that I'm just like, what the hell is going on with this drop? It feels like it was not fully executed properly here. And I, I'm just kind of, it's such a weird, uh, uh, play. Because it's also like it, for some for a team that's so familiar with brand positioning and reputation and some of these other things, the execution of a drop in the NFT space is basically one of the single most important things because it impacts whether or not your brand is going to get to continue to survive at all. Uh, and that that's like the hardest thing associated is like, a lot of people like can't get their drops out successfully. And I just think like there's a bunch of things in here that feel like so oh what the hell? What? Uh that feels so weird. Sorry, my site or my computer froze. If you move your mouse to the corner, it just like uh goes to the lock screen. Anyways, uh, sorry for the complete tangent there <laughs> off of what you were saying there, Pio, about the about a, a, a lot of people, 
You know, they call and they ask, is the price going to go back up? And they're focused on the wrong thing. That's what you were just discussing. But, My apologies. I didn't mean to bring. bring no, up no, that. it's in okay. In this case, it's like, how are you going to sell this out? I'm just like shocked. And there's not a lot of brands remaining in this space that have any reputation. Right now is the moment when you can really shoot yourself in the foot. We saw it from um, D-God still has a po somewhat positive brand. So like they haven't fully done it, but that drop did not. Uh, or their release did not happen the way that um, a lot of people were anticipating. Th the biggest thing right now in this market is do not shoot yourself in the foot. Mm -hmm. And that's what um, like you have to do to survive the next, frankly, 24 months. Yeah. And a lot of people are shooting themselves in the foot. And you, like investors aren't going to be like, oh, sorry, here's here's 10 milli, you know, go <laughs> – Go go uh you'll, go try you'll again. Out. I mean, some of them will like the, the, to be wrong. Like, but those are more predatorial, like investors uh, or people that have ulterior motives. Uh, is is where that exists. But I don't know, man. This, this just this is not what you want. I wonder what the impact on uh, uh, the dead fellow's floor has been as a result of this. That's the thing I'm looking at. It's actually been pretty strong. Um, by strong, I mean flat. Um, Which is so, strong I mean, in this market. Yeah. So, but I don't know, man. It, this is tough. Sorry for that tangent and that rant, but I, I'm just seeing this thing. There's so much garbage shit happening right now. Friend tech is the biggest thing happening. The number of people trading on there is 100 or 150. <laughs> Are we up to 200 now? It's, Do it's like the number of wallets involved with this pump is like, absurd and and some people that went from fudding it have now gone to like being like this is the future and i'm just observing the absolute insane behavior taking place on the timeline this is depression man this is this is this is bad that phase and it's like, gonna be like this for a long time that's this, the depression phase <laughs> this is tough, man. Yeah, I love Easy's uh level of of uh like just confidence. He's like, we're in the de depression phrase. Uh he's like, thank you for pointing I mean, it I out. I bought an ETH NFT yesterday. Which one? I deployed some capital. I'm not ah, did we drop it? All right. I mean it's well, cheap. I'm taking a flyer on this, by the way. But it was kind of <laughs> not, not, oh, Bunny hasn't bought it yet. Okay, I'm still gonna air it out. The uh, so it's actually something that to me, like we hear about this IP thing constantly, right? Everyone's like, oh, IP, IP, IP. It's called crap chickens. What? Right? Sounds terrible. Crap chickens. You ready for this? What so, a let crap. me break this down. <laughs> Yo, help me find this thing. I'm, I'm dead serious. I'm so buying it. Crapopolis. This premieres next week on Fox immediately after The Simpsons. In the description on Fox, it says a blockchain-based TV show that's created by the community. They didn't mint out. It was a 0.18 mint. They sold about 30% of the supply. The floor was 0.075 yesterday. I was like, all right, this is this is I'm taking a swing on this. I think it at least goes to 2x, 0.15. The holders actually vote on where the show goes, and it's created by Dan Harmon. Oh, damn. Co-founder of Rick and Morty and also made community. So he's the backer behind this. And I was like, at this point, dude. Yeah, they aired the commercial during the NFL, which is what triggered me. I was like, wait, this show's actually coming out. Finally, someone's doing this IP thing with an actual show. I'm going to take a flyer because if they can't get it right at this point, I don't know who can. So I think I can at least get a 2X out of this. And then I'm dumping it right back into more vessels. That's my play. So I did deploy some capital. Yesterday. I mean, these look like those uh, – the, the design of these chickens looks like those – remember the uh, 
copycat. It was like trying to be a Zed Run clone that I remember oh, Zeneca was. Uh, run Run Chicken Chicken Derby? No, chicken no derby. I like. Look at what Brian Brinkman just said. <laughs> Is this true? Um, no, no, it's not. There's no way that that was the case. <laughs> hope not. The, the, uh, the, uh, not Kropopolis or what crap chickens. This is pretty funny. What was the horse thing that exists that uh, I'm blanking on the name of it? Glue Anyways. factory. Oh God. And he was like, I don't know if I, I remember the tweet from Zanica was like, I don't know if this thing's going anywhere. I have no idea what the deal is, but I like what the team is doing. And, uh, so don't get mad if this thing goes to zero promptly went to zero after I bought it. But, um, the design of this kind of reminds me of that. Um, I, I'm, Someone says crap chickens are giving early basey vibes. <laughs> <laughs> He's right. He's right. I just yeah, bought a crap yeah. chicken. Uh, oh, Ebring man. said I'm cock not, punch. Do you know why this I'm is different? Do you know why this is different than cock punch? Is because Tim Ferriss uh, literally just told you that he was going to rug you. He said, at any point, I can delete my Twitter and delete the Discord, and you can't say shit about it. And sure enough, the he was floor like, of Legends of cock punch is 0.19. Is it's it? It's high. That's pretty high, yeah. With six thousand uh, ETH volume, there's this only has five hundred twenty nine. You may have picked a good one here, easy. The one thing I, the unrelated thing I was going to bring up is uh, Solana. What which we did not have in the newsletter there. Clemente kind of missed the boat completely it, it, on that one. It's in the call one. sheet. It's in the call sheet. Okay. Oh, okay. It's in the call sheet. Got it. There we go. <laughs> well, I guess that's you know that's okay. This is bear market activity, Clemente. So I'm just gonna uh, I'm just gonna R talk shit about your performance for probably the next month. Um, <laughs> well, real quick, all right. You want bear market stuff, Clemente? Can uh, and this is uh, I, I like to bother all of our listeners for 30 seconds, Clemente. Quickly pull up Mike Alfred's Twitter and let's just read one or two tweets, and then we'll uh, we'll dive into friend tech in one moment. So let Wait, you mean Solana? What what happened to what I just said? You just said you just said screw you, Nick. Oh, no, no. Sorry. Yeah. Sorry. Solana. Well, whatever we want to do. 30 seconds of Mike I Alfred. I appreciate the apology. <laughs> Real quick. We got 30 seconds of Mike Alfred. Uh, so it's fun to watch the Bears getting increasingly desperate. They know they're running out of time, carrying costs and approaching having or making their shorts less and less attractive. They need Bitcoin lower and they need it lower very soon. You can feel it. Bear meat soon. That's an alpha tweet right there, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, right here. One more. LOL, they're trying to manipulate the price lower, but it's not working very well. It just keeps bouncing back up. In 12 months, it'll be a lot higher, and all these shenanigans will be long forgotten. Good stuff. I'm not surprised that you like this. Um, th this is... Uh, well, who's they? Like, exactly. you know, they're they're, they. They. Like, it's always like the, the enemy, the people controlling the market, the whales, they're coming for a signal. Did you want to say something? It looked like no. you wanted to I was going to say, like, we have to split things because crypto doesn't feel like it's in the bear. It just feels like it's kind of doing its thing going sideways. NFTs feel like it's in the bear. Where One year lag, like, baby. One year lag. But it's yeah, a depression think, phase. It trades flat for an uncomfortable amount of time that makes people leave because they don't ever see an upward trajectory on it. Like, if you look yeah, at Bitcoin, that's on NFTs, super glued. But that's on NFTs, um, easy. And and I like I I think when we have this conversation, we should like separate them out because it feels like on the crypto side of things, people are just taking their position, whichever the you know price go up, price go down. But it feels like people aren't leaving; they're just getting prepared for the next twelve months. On NFTs, that's where I agree with Nick that it feels completely like depressed, suicidal. Like people are like. <laughs> 
No, sorry, I shouldn't say that. Um, but like, it feels um, uh, people have lost hope. And that's the worst part. Like, they just like, what is the point of this PFP? What is the point of having this, like, you know, 20,000 JPEG? If you're not uh, matchy, or you're just accumulating, accumulating, accumulating because you're trying to have a higher mission, okay, then your reason for holding or buying a new JPEG, which is extremely expensive, doesn't make sense. And I don't think you're going to be finding a group of people around you, um, so, you know, supporting your decision and saying, go for it, unless it's art whereby people are like, yeah, you know, potentially this artist or this piece of work could be the next big thing. But I just think that crypto is not in a depression or in a, in, in a bear market. I think it's just crabbing for the next 12 months. And I think there's definitely going to be a move. But NFTs right now, there is a massive delay. And that is why when we're seeing uh, efforts made by teams like Nick was talking about with Deadfellas, it just feels so out of touch with what is currently happening because nothing new or innovative is really coming out on the NFT especially on the PFP site. Uh, Clemente has renamed the space. Is it even worth it anymore? Great title. Uh, it's working. Which is, which is pretty, <laughs> pretty hilarious. Clemente's uh, getting like, better. Clemente's getting better, ladies and gentlemen. It's the darkest shit ever. It's like someone's going to tweet it like, are they about to do it? Like, are they about to just jump? Are they about to do it? I'll jump. If it, if it means we're going to get like 1,500 concurrent listeners, I'll totally just jump. I feel like I can make it. There's some trees below. I'll just kind of like figure it out. Uh, I got a tweet real quick. Oh, go ahead, Nick. Well, real, no, go ahead. I got a tweet from Clemente you got to pull up. Also, I want to shout out a gentleman's name is Crypto Elf of Rivendale. So we got a gentleman named Crypto Elf of Rivendale with a YouTube comment. He said, cope. Alts are bleeding like a stuck pig. My response to crypto... Oh, he's saying buy Bitcoin. I was about to say that he had no Bitcoin. I was literally about to dump on him. Look at those laser eyes. Come on. Now I see the laser eyes. I was about to dump on him. I was going to be like, this guy's mad because he's buying shit coins that are going to zero left and right and he can't figure out how to buy Bitcoin. That was a plot twist right there from Crypto Elf of Rivendale. Yeah. Plot twist, he actually likes Bitcoin, so Pio respects him. <laughs> well, real, real quick, I got to read this Mike Alfred tweet, then we're going to give Nick the mic. Why are we reading another Mal Mike because, Alfred Because it's super relevant. Real quick, I have to do this right now. This is so fucking important that I read this Mike Alfred tweet. Read the tweet, and then I'm pulling up my technicals. Guys. Okay, sounds good. This is the highest probability accumulation zone in the history of Bitcoin. There's a bunch of clowns on this website trying to get people to sell based on vague macroeconomic doom posts and squiggles on a chart. You literally can't make this up. Incredible time to be alive. Show us the squiggles on the chart, Nick, please. So here's some squiggles. <laughs> so this, this is the Solana range that I'm uh, looking at here. Um, What's that bottom target? I'm buying the shit out of Solana, by the Se way. 1720. 1480. 1480, what? you deploy every last dollar is my play. Where are you coming up with 1480? Where is that coming from? Down a little more, like right up there. A little no, higher. this is 1480, but wh where, uh, this peak? Yeah, okay. right there. And that breakdown, that rejection off the previous wick down, and the breakout on the left side is where I'm looking. 1480 is like my golden target for your soul. Um, if we get that, oh, whew, boys, boys cooking. Yeah, and, and not before. You can't buy it at 1525. I, like, I don't I, know. I, mean, where, I buy it every single day. I buy I soul every single day. I don't know where you're, what chart you're using to come up with that because it feels like you can't look at numbers or something like that when you say it. I see 1490 there. I don't see where 1480 is. But, you know, whatever. You know, do do your own thing, dude. But uh, the, the, the thing I, was gonna, I actually like, I mean, 
I would accumulate some here. Like maybe, maybe this, uh, maybe it sticks around this. So I want to actually discuss the driver of this in particular was the whole FTX uh, thing that was circulating last week. And I, I want to walk through what that actually looks like and whether like the potential that it has to, to dump. So the thing that I was looking at, so this was, uh, then I saw the, the corrected version of this, but even the corrected version, had, do you have that one, Clemente? The one where, uh, so I'll send you the link. Basically, so, well, you can pull that one up first. So uh, that one's fine. And then I'll send you this link where someone uh, wrote the, the other one. It's in the private chat, but we can walk through what this is. So basically the argument is FTX is starting liquidation on September 13th. And uh, as a result of that, what they were saying is essentially um, Solana is one of their biggest holdings and that they're going to just dump this whole thing basically on the market. Now, so uh, there's a couple of things here which are which are wrong with this. I, I posted in the private chat, Clemente, the link. There, but the most fundamental issue with this is if uh, it's on the uh, people that are managing the liquidation proceedings to get as much money as possible. So let's first start That's with their that job. fundamentally. Like, and, and they're not usually in the business of just basically like flooring the shit out of everything and they're not going to do it in the open market. Like they're not going to go sell $7 billion of, of tokens or whatever it is, whatever the number is, maybe a billion dollars. The other thing is the lock thing, which is what, so this, this other guy on Twitter came out, Duno world came out and basically said, well, this is bullshit because a large percentage of it uh, is locked. 